I want to ask you this morning to take your Bible out. Now, I know many of you probably are going, Brian, I don't have that. I have, I have my piece of technology, whatever that is, your tablet or your phone. Have that and open that app up, if you will. Take that Bible out. I just want to ask you to think for a moment. What is this to you? What what has this meant to you as of late? For some, I would venture to say, well, I have one of those. Maybe I have the app. I have been opening it much lately. For some, it's something you go, I don't understand it. It's kind of confusing to me. I try to read it every now and then, but I don't really quite grasp it. For some, you're like, I'm on a journey, I'm diving in, I'm reading it, I'm checking it out, I'm, I'm engaging with it, but I'm on a growing path. For others, you, you discover this is life and this is more important to you than bread or water or the food you eat, and you're like, I can't make it through a day unless I am engaging with God's Word. I, I want to suggest to you today, that's how Jesus made it through life. Wait a minute, Jesus who is God made it through life by engaging with His own words? Yes. That's how Jesus made it in this world. That's how Jesus learned how to live in this world. And we've been on a journey uh, over the last couple weeks just as we start this new year um, just trying to figure out how do we fix our eyes upon Jesus? How, how do we do that? The author and the perfecter of our faith, the key scripture we've been looking at is Hebrews chapter 12 that says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Remember that therefore is because previously that he was talking about people of faith. And he said, because we're surrounded by these great people of faith, let us show off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He says, let go of all that stuff that you used to run with. Let go of all that stuff of the world. Get rid of it and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What have your eyes been fixed upon lately? What what have you been fixed upon? We've been learning how to do this by saying, let's look at the life of Christ. But quite honestly, I think our eyes can get distracted to all kinds of things. Maybe it's fixed on things at work. Maybe it's been fixed on social media. Maybe it's been fixed on the political landscape of what's going around. Whatever your eyes are fixed upon will guide your heart and your mind, will actually guide who you become and who you are and how you live your daily lives. What I've been wanting us to do is to look at Jesus... Because I want us to see what he did and then learn what he did and then try to emulate or do what he did. Matter of fact, that's what the Bible calls us to do. 1 John 2, 6 says, whoever claims to live in him must walk, which means to emulate as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him. What John, the writer there is saying, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior... If you believe that that that's the only way to salvation, you believe and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of God, I'm a follower of Jesus, then if we say that, then we should pursue and want to do what He did. And if we don't do what He did, then we'd have to question ourselves and go, well, how serious am I about really being a, a follower of Jesus? Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. Week one, we learned about how Jesus prayed, how He was a man of prayer, how He withdrew to lonely places, to private places, uh, in the morning to get away from all the rush of the crowd and the craziness and the busy life. He said, i got to get away from all this craziness to spend time 
with my father. Last week, Lane came and preached and talked about how Jesus was a man who, who lived in community. He had his 12 disciples, and then he had his closer three, and he spent time with them because he knew, I need relationships. And that's why we practice in a smaller community called growth groups, and we're signing up for those right now. If you haven't looked at the table out in the lobby, I encourage you to do that, or get online and say, hey, hey, what are the growth groups? Where are they at? And try to discover, hey, what growth group did I sign up for? They launch here at the end of January. Today, I want us to look at Jesus' attitude toward the Word of God. What was Jesus' thought about, about the Word of God? Because if we want to fix our eyes on Jesus and model our lives after Jesus' example and then do as He has called us to do, then we must hold the same view of Scripture that He held. We must look at Scripture and say, well, that's what Jesus did, that's what I want to do. See, the Scriptures were center stage in Jesus' life and ministry. They were the center of what guided Him. Jesus never made light of Scripture. He never said, oh, I don't really need it. He never really argued with Scripture. Never did He downplay the significance of Scripture and say, well, that's not really important. And of all people, Jesus, who is God, could have said, I got this all figured out. Why would I need Scripture? Why would I need the Word of God? He did not doubt the authority of God's Word. He did not question the Old Testament stories or challenge their accuracy. As we tend to do in our culture today, in this world, we say, oh, how do we know what's true? How do we know it's not fables? How do we know it doesn't really match with scientific evidence? And the list goes on and on and on, where Jesus is like, man, this is the Word of God, and I'm going to Follow and listen to the Word of God. Think about these facts for a moment. Eighty times in the Gospels, Jesus quotes from more than 70 chapters from 24 different Old Testament books. When Jesus is teaching and preaching over 80 times in the Gospel, He quotes from the Old Testament. So he had to know the Word of God. The Scriptures formed the basis of his rebuke of other religious leaders. He accused the Sadducees, who were religious leaders at the time, of ignorance. In Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, when he said, you are in error because you don't know the Scriptures. He looked at the religious leaders of the day and said, you're ignorant because you don't know the Scriptures. Do we fall in that category today in America? Do we fall in that category of being ignorant because we don't know the Scriptures? Jesus called the religious leaders on the carpet for that. Called them on the carpet that if you want to know God, then you've got to know the Scriptures. He asked his opponents over and over and over, have you heard Have you heard that it was said? Have you heard that this is the way to live? Jesus' respect for, the knowledge of, and the dependence on the Word of God are evident in every turn of His life. Every single turn you see Jesus engaging with the Word of God. Let me begin this week by looking at what Jesus had to say about the Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 5 with me. Verse 17, He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, which means to do away with. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus recognized that his his life was a fulfillment 
of the words of the law and the prophets. I mean, how would you and I respond if we understood life in the same way? Jesus understood that what I'm going to do in life comes directly from the Word of God and what they have uh, let out in the law and the prophets, and I'm going to read it, I'm going to study it, I'm going to get to know it, and then I'm going to live my life by it. Imagine how carefully you would study the Scriptures if you felt your job was to fully obey all that was written in it. Imagine if you knew this is 100% guiding my life every step I'm going to take. And so Jesus is like, if I know this is how my Father is going to speak to me, God, then I better be sure to be in it. Imagine how diligently you would examine the Bible if you study it and truly believed it and you knew it contained all of your assignments for life because Jesus knew this has all my assignments. This has all of my direction. This was Jesus' attitude. His passion was knowing and living out what was written in the Word of God because he knew this gave him 100% direction of what God wanted for him. How would you study it differently? Can I tell you something? This does have all the direction for your life. This does have every step he wants us to take. This does have his will. This does have our our marching order, so to speak. And Jesus took that seriously. How serious do you take it? What, what, What is this book to you? Is it something that looks good on the end table? Is it cool? Because I've got that app. So when a preacher says, open up your Bible, at least I can, I can click on that app. What, what, what is this? Look at verse 18 again. Scripture says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now the word used here in Hebrew is yod, the name of the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. The Greek word translated the least stroke of a pen literally means a little horn, a point, or an extremity. Several Hebrew letters were written with just small little points that distinguished one letter from another letter. And changing a small point from one letter to another letter might change an entire word completely, which then could change an entire sentence completely just by changing that one word. And when Jesus says not the smallest letter, he is referring to these small, tiny little marks that for us become kind of like an apostrophe or like a period or a, a dot over the I or maybe the cross that goes across our T. He says, not even those will pass away because for Jesus, all of Scripture, even the smallest stroke of a pen demanded his total allegiance and his total obedience. He said, I'm going to look at it I'm going to study it, I'm going to learn it, I'm going to obey it. See, Jesus' attitude that I want us to see today and understand is the fact that he practiced careful submission and obedience to every part of it. This should be our attitude. If we want to fix our eyes on Jesus, then we should want to have that that understanding that when I get to know the God's Word, I want to practice submission and obedience in every part of it. That's what Jesus did. He said, well, how did Jesus do that? I don't have time to get into all the examples, but let me give you two today. One, Jesus studied the Scriptures. He studied the Scriptures, which is kind of mind-blowing to think, wait a minute, Jesus is God, didn't he know all the Scriptures? Some people are quick to assume Because Jesus is God from the time he was a little baby that when he was born, he was downloaded with all biblical information. Hey, you're a baby, you're God, boom, you have all information. Many assume that all Jesus had to do was kind of press a button and instantly receive a perfect understanding of God's Word. I don't think that's the case. 
We don't have a time to get into the humanity of Jesus and understand Him as a man right now. We will later in this year. But when we look at Jesus as flesh and bones and skin, He did not come into this world as a baby and have all biblical knowledge downloaded and go, I have it all, I got it all conquered. He had to learn the Scriptures. In fact, in the first century when Jesus lived on earth, all Jewish boys would study the Word of God. And they would study in depth, and that's how the priests would decide, well, who are going to be the ones going to follow in my footsteps and become the priests? The smartest students would memorize the Torah, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Have you been memorizing that lately? Been digging in deep? I mean, if you take your Bible, that's about the first few hundred pages, for sure. And so you get there and just to memorize... The Scriptures. I mean, that's how important it was. They studied it. They memorized it. They put it in. Rabbis tested these young boys. They, they would quote a verse to these young students. They'd quote a verse to them and say, now, you tell me the verse that's before and after it. I mean, if, if I started quoting verses at you today, or, or if you guys started quoting verses at me, would I be able to tell you, oh yeah, that verse before it is this, and the verse after it is this? No, that's what they would do. That's how they ran their test. Maybe we can assume... That Jesus was gifted with memory. Maybe we could assume that and say, well, okay, he was extra gifted with that because he did not have a, a fallen intellect as we do because sin had, it, had it affected him that way. We cannot assume, though, that he, he never had to study the Bible because he, he wasn't born with an innate knowledge of the Bible. And so I think it's fair to assume as a human he had to study the Word of God to understand the Word of God. I mean, just consider these verses in Luke 2.40. It says, and the child... And that child that's being referred to is the child being Jesus, grew and became strong. And when you understand the word grew, it's not only a physical growth, that his body was growing, it was also a mental growth and a spiritual growth that he was growing and understanding. It says he was filled with wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? From understanding the word of God and the grace of God was on him. So as he grows in, in stature and physicalness, he also grew in understanding God's Word. Look at Luke 2.52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he grew in wisdom, which came from studying God's Word, and stature, which means his body was growing. Now you say, well, how do we know he was studying the Word? Well, consider what was happening in between these verses of verse 40 and verse 52. I, his parents had left him behind. If you're familiar with the account, they're at the temple. They leave them behind, and it took them three days. They were gone for a day plus and realized, where's Jesus? Hold on, where's our son at? Now, that would happen because the way they travel in caravans and groups, it could very easily happen. They think Jesus is with us, and they get a day away and go, wait a minute, our boy's missing. So they have to go back and get him, and it's time they get back to him. It's three days later. Well, what was he doing? Where did they find him? They found him in the temple courts. Found him in a temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. What happened in the temple courts? That's where the Bible was taught. That's where God's word was studied. That's where the leaders would gather with those who were trying to learn the word of God. And there Jesus is in their midst going, I'm studying it. I'm learning it. I'm trying to understand it. And he's asking questions when he's in the temple courts. He was there learning the word of God. As a young lad, about 12 years old. What kind of hunger do you have for God's Word? What's your desire to, to dive in and, 
and get into this and study it. Are you wondering about, man, how can I be a, a better parent? God's Word speaks to that. Are you wondering about, man, my finances are just so out of whack and I just have a mess in my hands. You know, God's Word speaks to finances and how, and how to manage that. Are, are you wondering about, why am I so stressed and so overwhelmed all the time? You know, God's Word speaks to that too. You wonder about how can I be a better husband or be a better wife? You know, God's Word speaks to that too. What can I do to be better with my work and my, and my co-workers and, and how can I have a good attitude? God's Word speaks to all those issues too. What is this thing about salvation that they talk about? What is this thing? Do I need to be saved? How do I get saved? Who's Jesus? You know, God's Word speaks to all those issues too and I could go on and on and on about the things that God's Word speaks to. But the question is, what are you doing with this? It's early in the year. It's a great time to say, you know what? If I want my eyes to be fixed on Jesus, then I'm going to dive into His Word. I'm going to get to know Him through His Word. Jesus practiced careful submission and obedience to God's Word. He studied the Scriptures. He submitted the Scriptures. John 1, 1 and 2 says, give us this clear statement about Jesus' deity and all the Gospels. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Not only did Jesus study and live a life devoted to the Word of God, Jesus was the Word of God. He was the living Word who chose to become a servant to the written Word chose to become a servant to that written word because Jesus is the living word of God. He could have written new rules in his life for ministry. He could have said, I don't like that part. Let me put something new in there. Or he could have said, you know what? I want to add some other stuff that I think we missed out on. He could have exerted his authority as God and spoken anything into reality, but he submitted himself to what God put together. In his humanity, he modeled something that was totally different for us. He humbled himself and chose to be submissive to the Word of God. He subjected himself to the Scriptures. They became his authority is what happened. They became his direction. Look at Matthew 26, 24. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. This is dealing with right when Judas Iscariot is betraying Jesus and he dips his hand with him. He says, listen, the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. The Son of Man referring to Jesus, he will go as it's written about him. As the Scriptures are guiding and teaching. He's saying, I submit to the Scriptures. I mean, just ponder that for a moment. Jesus, who is God... But as a man says, I submit my life to what? To this. That's what I submit to. This is my marching orders. This is my playbook. This is my, my recipe for how to live life. And Peter, good old ferocious Peter, who had a temper, wanted to protect Jesus. And when they come to arrest Jesus, maybe you're familiar, what did he do? He pulled out a sword and he chopped the guy's ear off. He wanted to fight to protect Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 26, 54, but then how would the Scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? I mean, you understand? So Peter's like, no, you're not taking my, my Jesus. Boom, cuts off a guy's ear. And Jesus is like, whoa, chill down, Peter. Yes, I could call down angels out of heaven if I wanted to. 
I could call down multitudes of angels. We could wipe this out. We could be done. But then how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Jesus is saying, I'm submissive to my Father God's plan, and I'm going to do what the scriptures tell me I'm supposed to do. What was Jesus referring to? I mean, Jesus was referring to, I'm going to be submissive to this being a rested thing. I don't know if he liked it. I doubt it. But he said, Peter, I'm going to be submissive to that. What was he referring to? He was referring to the, the false accusations that were going to come later as they, as they say, who are you going to crucify? And they say, don't choose Barabbas, choose Jesus. Wait a minute, the, the murderer and the thief, Barabbas, you're going to let him go while Jesus, who is the Son of God, let's accuse him and put him on a cross? That's what he was referring to. He was referring to the fact that he knew because his study of Scripture, he knew what was coming ahead was he was going to be tortured. He knew he was going to die a terrible death. He, did, he knew that was going to come, and, and he said, I'm going to be submissive to the Scriptures. What he was saying to Peter and the disciples around, he says, I've studied the Word of God. I, I know the Word of God. I know God's plan for my life, and I'm going to submit to God's Word. That's the attitude we need, church. I truly believe, I truly believe all of our world's problems would be solved if we could learn to submit to God's Word. Now, because Satan runs in this world, we're probably never going to do that. And that's why this world won't be restored until it's supposed to be, until the Lord returns. But we can try our best to do it. So at least, so speak, me and my household... We'll maybe have the peace that comes from being submissive to God and His Word. Do you want your eyes fixed on Jesus this year? See, God's Word must be part of your life. It, it, it must be. There's no other way for me to, to guide you in your life without this being the basis of life. There's no other foundation to stand upon. Any other foundation, I promise, will crumble and fall apart. This foundation will last and has lasted and it will last until God returns. Howard Hendricks is a preacher and a writer and a teacher, and he said, dusty Bibles always lead to dirty lives. In fact, you are either in the Word, and the Word is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ, or you are in the world, and the world is squeezing you into its mold. Howard Hendricks went so strong, it's one or the other. You're either in the Word or you're in the world. And the way to live in this world and not be of the world is to have this guiding your, guiding your life every single day. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, For some years now, for some years now, I have read through the Bible twice every year. If you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch, I have shaken every one of these branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. Have you been shaking the branches lately? See, we can fill our minds with all kinds of stuff. I, I would suggest this year, if social media is a distraction on your device and you're like, I need to be reading God's Word, but I find I'm in Facebook, I'm on Twitter, whatever social media avenue, delete them off of your phone and get rid of them. So I don't need them. If there's some other book that you're like, man, I just love this book, I love this romance novel, or I love this book about being a mechanic, and those things are distractions, get rid of them. And say, God's Word's going to come before any of that kind of stuff. If your television is consuming your time, and you're like, you know, I know I need to be in God's Word, but boy, this ball game today is going to be really good. Or boy, this television show that I've been binge-watching, you know what I'm talking about. 
What about binge reading? You know, I've not heard that from anybody lately. I've heard, oh yeah, man, I've been watching on Netflix so-and-so show. I spent 18 hours watching that show. I'm like, you did what? What about saying, I'm binge reading over an entire weekend. All I'm going to do, I'm not watching television. I'm going to eat. I'm going to do some other day tasks, but I'm just going to open up God's Word and just read it and read it and read it and read it and just get it into my life. So you haven't already this year, it's not too late to begin a, a daily habit of digesting God's Word. Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 119. This really wasn't in the plan, but as I'm standing here, it's this verse, verses just keep coming to my mind. <clears throat> Psalm 119 is basically right in the center of the Bible. Blessed are those, verse 1, whose ways are blameless, who walk according to to the law of the Lord. You want to be blessed? Walk according to the Word. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your Word? You seek purity, live according to His Word. Verse 11, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to overcome sin? Then put God's Word in your heart. Verse 16, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your Word. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 32, I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. All these things, whether it's a decree or whether it's a statue, or whether it's a command, they're all talking about God's Word. Verse 37, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your Word. What a prayer that could be for you or me in this year. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your Word. Verse 45, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought your precepts. I have considered my ways, verse 59, and have turned my steps to your statutes. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your Word. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day, all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for I have... for for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers. I tell the kids, students over here, college students, you think about that. You want more insight than your teachers? You want to be smarter than them? For it says, for I meditate on your statues. Verse 100, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. What it's saying, you want to be smarter than your church leaders? Be in God's Word. And the chapter just goes on about the benefits of God's Word. Is it part of your life? It's how Jesus was guided, and it's how Jesus was directed. If you haven't already, it's not too late to start a Bible reading plan. I always suggest to you, you to use the plan on uversion.com. If you're familiar with them, you can, you can log in on, our, on their website. You can set up an account. It's youversion.com. You can, there's, a, there's an app you can put on your phone. They have all kinds of Bible reading plans. If you're like, man, I haven't done a Bible reading plan forever, then start with a simple seven-day plan. They have simple seven-day plans. Say, okay, for seven days, God, I commit over the next seven days. You know what? You get done after seven days, you say, well, maybe I should try one of those two-week plans. And then go and do two weeks. And then, you know what? Maybe I could do a 30-day plan. And you go and do a 30-day. And all of a sudden, you'll start going, I'm investing. They have, they have hundreds of Bible reading plans. They have plans for every kind of topic you can imagine. What you're dealing with, going, I'm going to do that kind of Bible reading plan. It's a great resource. You're not familiar. But it's only great if you use it. Second way I like to suggest for people to read the Bible is pick a book. If you never start, I usually suggest in the book of John, you pick a book and you start reading through it one chapter a day with a simple prayer that says, Lord, speak to me today. 
Get yourself a pad of paper or use a note on your phone. Lord, speak to me today. And as you read John chapter 1, you're just praying, Lord, speak to me today. There will be something, I promise, in John chapter 1 that will jump off the page. It's like, oh, I needed to hear that today. Oh, that really answers a question of something I'm walking through. And you record those either on your device or on your computer or with pen and paper, you record that. If you do that every day and you look back over a year, you have 365 times where God spoke directly to you. And if you're going through the book of John and I'm going through the book of John separately, you'll have different things marked than I have marked because God deals with us individually. You can pick any kind of book. You go, I don't know what to do. Just start reading it. Lord, speak to me today. Let me just close with asking you as I started this morning. Have your Bible in your hand. Maybe it's your device that has your Bible app. What is this to you? What does this mean for you in your life? You want your eyes fixed upon Jesus, then let's look at Jesus. And Jesus said, Scripture got to study it. i got to know it. And Jesus said, I'm going to be obedient and submissive to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us, God, by the power of Your Spirit to fix our eyes upon You. God, we're learning this month just some tools of, that You've given us by looking at the life of Jesus. We see, Lord, that prayer is so important that we withdraw and get quiet before You. Father, we see community, that we are in relationship with Christians who can come around us to, to walk through life with. And God, today we see the value of Your Word, Scripture, being a, a great importance to us. And Scripture being a great importance to Jesus. And that Jesus sought Your Scripture to know every step to take. To know Your plan. To know Your will. And then He, he practiced submissiveness and obedience. God, would you create that in us? God, would you create in us a hunger for your word? Lord, create us in a, a hunger for your word that is more than, than anything up that this world could possibly offer, that we'd say, we want to be in God's word. And then create in us, Lord, a, an obedient heart, a heart that says, not only do I want to be in it, I want to obey it, I want to do it. As the writer James says, to not just hear it, but to be doers of the word. Father, we're thankful that because of Your Word, we know about Jesus' death, His burial, and His resurrection. And we know, Lord, about what we're going to do right now as we partake in communion together. We know that this reminds us, reminds us of salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ. Reminds us of that agonizing death. Reminds us that Jesus conquered the grave and made it possible for us to have hope of eternity in heaven with God Almighty forever. And so, Lord, we thank you. Your scriptures have guided us to that. We celebrate this morning as we receive our communion today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.